right, welcome back to uh, another episode of The High Ground, powered by Premier Companies, with uh, Sal and Ryan. Hello. Uh, and uh, we've got a returning guest on the line with us today, and uh, I'll give you a little perspective of the time we're in. It is, it's uh, early January, um, January 4th of 2022, and we got Glenn Longabalt our region agronomist on the line. But uh, uh, for those of you who listened before, uh, I'll give you a little insight into Glenn before he hops on here with us. Uh, Glenn Longabaugh is our region agronomist, but he also uh, does a little farming on the side. So we're going to have Glenn's perspective on a couple of different things. And first, first thing, Glenn, uh, welcome. Glad to have you with us again today. Yeah, good morning. All right. And... Uh, Glenn, I'm going to ask you right now just to put your farmer hat on. And I know you're probably sit, I, sitting in your pickup truck right now somewhere. I so, am, and I actually have my Premier Ag hat on as oh, we speak. You always dress for the occasion, I'll tell you that. So, I, I'm in persona, yes. <laughs> Outstanding. So, Glenn, can you give us a little insight from a farmer perspective just to kind of uh, share with us kind of what's on your mind right now going into 2022 and we've got um, uh, some higher higher prices for a lot of our inputs and just tell us from a farmer perspective what's what's in your head right now yeah that's a that's a great question i'm not sure you really want to see what's in my head <laughs> we've got the sensors uh, we can we can yeah. beep out anything so, yeah, you know, so I'm so glad you brought up pricing, right? Because that is the, that's the elephant in the room. And I think most growers, uh, unless they have just had their head in the sand or have been on vacation since harvest, they, they realize that nitrogen prices are high, P&K prices are high, uh, you know, chemical prices are a little higher. Um, actually, the, 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 what is normally the selective herbicides that are really very expensive are not so much higher, but the things that we normally rely on that are kind of ubiquitous like Roundup and Liberty and those products are just crazy high and actually uh, potentially even in, in such limited supply that that may have an effect on the crop. I mean, there's plenty of things to worry about, but um, you know, the, the thing that we never talk about as growers Right. You, you asked me to put my grower hat on, so that's what I'm going to give you. Good. You may have to edit all this out, but, <laughs> you know, they, they say there's a few topics you should never talk about, right? One is politics. One is religion. There's a third one that's taboo that probably gets talked about even less than those two, and that's rent. I, th I thought and, that's and, where you were going to go, yeah. And, and I'm telling you, that's one of the things that, that I worry about, not just for myself, uh, but really for all farms, right, because – you know, if you think about it from a from a landlord's perspective, right? And I'm a landlord as well as a tenant. I've got several acres that I own that my cousin farms, and and um, uh, you know, I, I can tell you that we're we're in kind of what is normally I, I would call this almost like an inversion. If we were talking about a market, it's like an inversion. Normally, the cash rent is higher than the share crop rent. And, and so if there's any aggression in a neighborhood, uh, per se, it's almost always on the cash rent side and, and not necessarily on the, on, the, um, on the sharecroppers. But if you think about it, this year, because of commodity prices, because of yields, uh, this thing is upside down. And, and those folks that are sharecropping uh, with their tenants actually got either got or are going to get an absolute enormous check this year. And so uh, I haven't heard many shots over the bow, but I just really worry about where we're at. 
I'm not convinced that this is particularly healthy for agriculture uh, because if, if, if we get into any kind of a, uh, a contest for rent, this thing could easily get in a position where no one can win, right? Um, I mean, yeah. right now, the, the the tenants that were on cash rent last year probably came out, even if they were paying absorbent cash rent, they still came out probably ahead this last year. And so, and that may be why there's such turmoil and why you don't hear a lot of numbers being cast around. But that's one of the things that keeps me awake is, is where we're at on rent. Yeah. And I think going forward, we're probably going to have to adjust this, Sal. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, if sharecropping is going to go to where the, 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 the landlord has no, uh, you know, they just take a share and it's a reduced share. Maybe it's 20 or 25%. I think that's probably where it should be. If you think about what cash rents are, but, but um, you know, there's a lot of right now, there is so many variables in this market that it's scary times, right? Input prices are up and, and um, you know, I think we, we have a, a false sense of, of where the market really is. And, and yet it may not be, right? If, if we keep printing money and the market um, continues to inflate, right? We could have, um, you know, really good commodity prices again this fall. So, so, yeah, I think that's what keeps growers awake. That's what keeps me awake is just thinking about, you know, what is really fair with your landlords, what's fair with your tenants, and um, how are we going to navigate this to where no one gets hurt, right? Yeah. So what gives you confidence as a grower right now to, uh, you've uh, kind of listed out several things that's, that keeps you up and ha- gives you anxieties. What, what gives you confidence going into 2022? Yeah well, yeah. well, what gives me confidence is that the growers I deal with are not really in that, um, uh, you know, <laughs> we all have a reactive side to our mind, right? I don't want to get off into psychology, but we all have this reactive side, right? And when times get a little tougher or when you start to, uh, uh, feel a little bit pinched, some people shut down and they start thinking about how they're going to save, uh, themselves rich. And I'm not hearing that in the countryside. I think most growers realize, uh, they've had, they've had several good crops in a row. Most of, most of the area I service has had some wonderful crops. I think the growers that work with, uh, premier, uh, understand that they're maybe raising even better crops than their neighbors because they're, you know, we've got them on a very aggressive uh, in-season management uh, of, of crops. But if there's one thing that gives me maybe more optimism than anything else, it's commodity prices, right? I, I really don't see, um, I mean, if you look at the commodity prices today, we've got a good bean price. We've got corn that's approaching $6, even with a, with a negative basis. Um, I just got a note first thing this morning, right? The first note I got was from the ethanol plant. And they said, hey, we may shut down early on Friday because we're just flooded with corn. And yet you're not seeing that reflected. You know, they're not, they're not beating the price up. South America is, is having weather problems. Um, you know, I, I, I'm optimistic because I think we're going to have the opportunity to sell this crop, uh, whatever crop it is. I think we're going to get an opportunity to sell it. Um, at a pretty decent price. Great. That that gives me optimism. Good. I got a, one other question. I hand it back over to Ryan. But what from from a grower perspective, and in in uh, times like this, uh, even though some of it may be uh, somewhat uncharted, but in times like this, what do you what would you ex- what do you expect from your ag retailer? Wow. Yeah. I um, 
<laughs> well, here's what I expect. I'm, you know, what I want from an ag retailer is, you know, I, I understand that their costs have gone up. And in, in some cases, their margins are thinner because as the price goes up, you're thinking, well, they just add X amount onto it. Well, no, oftentimes it's kind of a, uh, oftentimes it's kind of a flat margin they have to build onto fertilizer prices uh, because that's all the, the market will allow. But you know what I expect for them is I wanted to be engaged, right? If I'm a grower and and I'm a little different as a grower because I think it's sometimes intimidating for salespeople to come call on me. But but basically I want a partner, right? I, I don't I don't want somebody to sell me something. I want them to come partner with me. I, I like for them to bring innovation. I may not even agree, but I, I'm always excited when a retailer brings an idea to me and says, hey, you know, maybe we ought to try this. And um, because innovation is ultimately how we're all going to survive, because you can't raise the same crop you raised last year or five years ago, and you can't market it the same, right? You, You constantly have to be improving. And and that's, you know, most of the retailers that are surviving, right, or thriving, uh, you know, you take the state of Indiana, um, you, you know, Premier would be one of those, a co-alliance, a series, you know, th- those co-ops have learned that uh, you've got to be on the cutting edge, you have to be on the leading edge, you can't just, um, you just can't follow, you have to be on the leading edge. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to pounds on the ground, absolutely. I, I like to see my corners backed into you. I like to, <laughs> you know, I'd like to see it timely delivered, right? And I'd like to see it applied at less than 25 miles an hour. Uh, but those are kind of table, table stakes. stakes. You asked yeah. me what I, yeah, you, you asked me what I really like to see. I like to see a retailer bring me innovation, right? One of the things we, uh, we did as soon as we, well, we started uh, preparing for this year a, a long time ago. And uh, one of the things we did with our growers, whenever we got, whenever we realized, um, you know, the supply allocations and the, the tightness of supply of some of the active ingredients, we sent out a mailer. We want to make sure every grower, every grower got communicated verbally and, and uh, even was mailed. So we took uh, all the growers who have purchased from us, we, we sent them a mailer and give them a heads up about what we're going to be doing with supply going into 2022 and that was really well received uh by our customer base so i believe that right because that's the fair thing to do yeah the, the fair thing is to is to give everybody kind of the same notice at the same time as opposed to uh, i'm sure there are retailers uh maybe in the private sector that are going to take care of their big dogs first and give them the you know <laughs> they're going to let them come up and belly up to the trough first and that's uh, that's unfortunate. Right? It's going to create some hard feelings before we get into spring, especially if this uh, supply continues to to tighten up. Hey, Glenn, it's Ryan, and I wanted to uh, I want to switch gears on you for a minute. <clears throat> Have you come out of sure. the uh, the farmer perspective and back to your agronomist perspective for a little bit? And, um, and, and talk about the must wins for growers going into spring and summer. Cle- clearly. Uh, you've just talked about elevated uh, commodity prices and the opportunity to lock those the, those dollars in, and we need to because of the, uh, the the elevated input costs. But what are the things that that we want to continue to do? What are the things we don't want to skip on? What new innovations might we look at implementing um, as we as we 
view 2022 coming to us. I've, I've talked with a girl yesterday and it's, you know, you're looking at, at similar margins, but it, it takes a whole lot more to get, to get at the table. You know, the games, the stakes are high. So, uh, oh, one absolutely. of the must wins uh, from your agronomist side. Yeah, that's well put. And uh, Ryan, I, I, I need to qualify that. First of all, how much time do I have? We talk about corn or soybeans. What's Glenn uh, say? If you ask an agronomist what time it is, he'll build you a clock. Yeah, or... that's exactly right. So, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's start with, let's start with corn first. Uh, Cause nitrogen is a hot ticket item. Uh, we talked about uh, uh, how much higher those prices are. So let's talk with corn management and then we'll jump yeah. to soybeans. Yeah, so so that's a great question. If you want me to visit about corn, I think sometimes we make it too complex, right? Uh, if I'm a grower listening to this, and you know, I want to I want to glean something from Glenn Longobal, the agronomist, I would hope Glenn would not tell me every eccentricity of how a clock works, right? And so let's put it into kind of, you know, Winfield talks about the fundamental five. And even that is a little bit wordy, right? To me, it comes down to about four things a grower has to do if he wants to be successful raising corn, right? You know, one of the fundamental five is around weed control. And I think that is absolutely table stakes, right? And, and I don't want to go off. We could talk about herbicide resistance management and that sort of thing. So let's spend our time on the other four. And, and, and really, they come down to hybrid selection, um, you know, picking the maturity, picking a population, picking your hybrid based on rotation and response to nitrogen, response to fungicide, you know, yield potential. Are we going to pick our hybrid next year based on this year's, uh, you know, cropping history? Uh, that might not be successful because we saw absolutely stupid yields over a big part of my service area, right? I mean, we had guys that actually exceeded um, you know, 300 bushel in spots and had whole farm averages in excess of 250 bushel. Well, you know what? Picking hybrids on a year like that may not be applicable for the average year. Mm. So, so the first thing they got to do is they got to pick the right variety, right? And they need to think about at the time they pick the varieties, they need to think about how they're going to manage it, right? What kind of environment it's going to go into and how am I going to manage it? The second one, uh, we talked quite a bit the other day about nitrogen and nitrogen management. The second one is soil fertility, right? And and you got to know that a crop is more than just nitrogen and potassium and phosphorus and sulfur, right? There are micronutrients. But but the, the lowest hanging fruit is always nitrogen, potassium, and sulfur, right? Those are the things that you have to manage well if you want to be successful, right? The third one. Right. And this is going to be maybe counterintuitive. Uh, you rarely hear me talk about, uh, you know, equipment, but there is a piece of equipment on your farm that you need to have excellence with. And that is a planter. Right. You need to have planting excellence. And I don't mean just adding more precision stuff to your planter, although that does help. I'm talking about your your plant space variability, which maybe has to do with how fast you pull the planter, you know, getting off and checking the depth, because I don't care how sophisticated the, the equipment is you put on your planter, if you don't get off and check your depth, you can have a faux pas, right? It's about using stress mitigation, uh, like starter fertilizer, or maybe uh, plant growth regulators to get the crop off to a really good start. But lastly, it's about timeliness, right? And we learned last year that that 
and this may not be for every year, but last year, timeliness had everything to do with soybean yields. On corn, not so much, right? Last year was kind of an anomaly. It really didn't matter whether you planted corn early or you planted corn late. All the corn yielded extremely well, right? But, but that's not the way it's going to be every year. And I don't think it's a function of saying, Ryan, you got to plant early or you've got to plant in this window. I'll tell you when you have to plant. As an agronomist, I think you have to plant in a window and on the front side of a window that's going to allow you to get a good stain. Right. In other words, when you the six to 10 day forecast is for above normal rainfall and below normal temperatures, that's probably not the time to go slam a bunch of corn in the ground. And yet that's often what happens. The time to get excited is maybe when the ground isn't exactly perfect, but the six to 10 day forecast is for above normal temperatures and below normal rainfall. That's when you need to get all your together. Right? <laughs> you, if you can see me making this, this uh, kind of snowball motion, yeah. that means get your, that means get your shit together. That's when you need to be able to rock and roll and timeliness has a huge play in being successful at getting a stand and getting a crop. And then, you know, that's three, right? I told you there were four, kind of four secrets to, you know, it was hybrid selection. It was about soil fertility. It was about planting excellence. And then the last one is about in-season management, right? Um, and, and I don't just mean fungicides and I don't mean just nutritionals. I mean the entire package, getting in the crop, taking tissue samples with some regularity so that you have a clue because the plant doesn't just say, Hey, I'm hungry for uh, cottage cheese or, Hey, I'd like to have some meat with my potatoes. That's, that's not the way it works, right? The crop will often hide many of its nutritional uh, deficiencies, right? And we don't ever want to wait for the crop to show us those visual deficiencies, because if it ever comes to visually deficient, then you've already lost a bunch of yield. So we probably should think about taking timely uh, tissue samples. We need to think about, you know, spoon feeding our macronutrients and, and then making these micronutrient applications at the same time we make some of these fungicide applications, because there is no question that uh, the guys that manage in season that's probably the highest return on investment we ever make or that we ever get. Excuse me. I didn't mean to say we make. It's the highest return on investment we ever get. And I think we talked about that last time, right? Yeah. When you plant a corn crop, you've already decided that you're going to spend, you know, what was $400 an acre is now probably $600 an acre without rent. And um, you've already anted that up. And so those things you do in season are, are just the, the icing. They allow that crop to, to really live to its potential and yield to its potential. And that's, that's ultimately what we're going to do. So the best growers, you know, I work with a lot of good growers and I'm telling you the best growers are the growers that they, they, they try to do everything right and get off to the best start, but then they don't abandon the crop. They literally manage the crop uh, at least through the middle part of the season, if not into reproduction with fungicides and insecticides. So that's very good. I've made a few notes here. So you had uh, the five, the weed control, hybrid selection, soil fertility, planting excellence, and in-season management. Absolutely. If you do those five things, Sal, you're going to be successful farming. 
I don't know if we're going to be in a 150 bushel yield environment or whether we're going to be in a 250 bushel environment, but you know what? It's a competitive environment and the, the, the growers that make the best crops always end up being the most competitive. And that's how you make the most crop. Well, very good. I think I'm going to put these on a flashcard for, and we may, we may just hand these out to growers. So that'll be a <laughs> Sounds good like a cheat plan. sheet. Yeah. It's, yeah. <clears throat> And, and it's simple enough that, that it can be remembered. I mean, it's clearly there are so many avenues and so many uh, capillaries you can chase down each one of these. But uh, uh, but these are easy uh, to, to remember and understand. And we can we can go out and support these decisions with much more data and details. But uh, but that's good from from your perspective of, of how to add some simplicity to such a complex season. So we appreciate yeah. that. All right. You're welcome. Well, Glenn, we're going to give your day back to you, and uh, we appreciate the time you've had with us today, and uh, we'll give you a little more advance notice next time. How's that? <laughs> you never do, but that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to promise it every time. <laughs> All there right, you go. That's, Glenn, that's fine. Thanks a lot. And, uh, again, this is Ryan and Sal, and this is another episode of the High Ground Power by Premier Companies. So thanks for listening.